Just a quick note to say that I have stopped interviewing new guests for my podcast, but I'm going back through and republishing previous podcasts so that you can hear all that lovely information again. This one is number 216 with Judith Yeebsley. And please note, as I talk later about the membership, How to Live More Calm, the membership is still uh, there and you can come and join us. Um, you just need to go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm. But when it talks about the topic that we'll be talking about on next week's call, then that isn't true because obviously it's an, an old um, podcast. So uh, do please come and check out powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and you'll be able to see what the topic is for our next call enjoy that is something that I'm really really passionate about and I find it centers me um it gives me energy power to live more with Joe Dodds welcome to the power to live more podcast all about productivity organization well-being energy and resilience I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Judith Yeebsley. Judith was introduced to us by Nat Cutler-Welsh from show number 202. Judith is an AOTA, accredited picky eating advisor, an internationally certified nutritional therapist. She works with 100 plus families every year, resolving fussy eating and returning pleasure and joy to the meal table. She is also mum to two boys and the author of Creating Confident Eaters and Winner Winner I Eat Dinner. Her dream is that every child is able to approach food from a place of safety and joy, not fear. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Judith the Confident Eater. Thanks for joining me Judith, great to have you with me. Thanks Joe. it's lovely to be here. Lovely, so start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it. Okay, so I'm based in uh, in Wellington, New Zealand, which is actually the windiest city in the world. Um, but it's also beautiful and we've got mountains and harbours and I, I live on the side of a mountain, so it's, it's fabulous. Um, I am the confident eater because I teach parents how to get their picky eaters eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that because I've always had a real passion around um, food for children. But what I realized when I was doing stuff around nutrition and, and, and healthy food was that every second parent was saying, you know what, I know what to feed my child. I just don't know how to get them to eat it. And so I went looking for an expert to refer them to and realized that there was this huge gap in the market and that there was nobody supporting these we're talking thousands and thousands of parents who were going through this stressful, frustrating, you know, nightmare of a time with children who really physically were finding it enormously difficult to eat variety. And so I set out to be that person. And, um, and the first time I worked with a family, 
and we, 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 I was able to resolve the the eating issues I sort of felt like you know I felt like I I had a magic wand and I'd gone in and just done this amazing thing and that that feeling's never left me and um so that's I guess why I do what I do and, and why I'm so passionate about it mm -hmm. and what what came before that so I was I saw I think I start nearly every interview by saying I don't suppose this is what you planned to do when you left school <laughs> and probably 80% of my people say you're right it wasn't yeah. <laughs> um, well, well I've, I've got a master's degree for I've got a master's degree from Cambridge University which has been incredibly useful um <laughs> so uh, so I've had that and um done absolutely nothing with it yeah. but um, and and I've had a, a I guess I, I always think of, of my life in sort of um, sections where I've, I've had multiple lives and each one's been this sort of, you know, sort of discrete section. So mm -hmm. leaving school, um, my first big job was, um, I was doing door-to-door -door sales actually. And from that, I ended up um, building a bookkeeping company in Australia and had 60 clients Australia wide that I was servicing. And that was amazing. But I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. And then I got kind of bored because I was, you know, the company was making tons of money and I had 13 employees and everything was going so well. But I'd done what I set out to achieve and, and I was just bored. And so an ex-client was up in Indonesia and said, you know, Judith, I think my, my partners are, are um, are taking advantage of me can you can I fly you up business class and can you come and do a, an analysis of my business and I was like sure so <laughs> I, I went to Jakarta and and I and he flew me up and back a couple of times and um and then he said you know what do you want to come and work here and do you want to run my he had a massive import export company do you want to run it he said I won't interfere with what you're doing you know you'll be totally independent because I know you don't like working for people he said, you just report to me at the end of each week and you take charge of everything. I went, yeah, why not? So I left my business in charge of two of my managers and flew to Indonesia and, um, and started running the import-export business, which was fun and fabulous and so different. Um, and then the fall of Suharto happened and there were riots and the whole country was a basket case and I had soldiers shooting at our office and, you know, the whole thing. It was very exciting um and um i love the way and, that you say no you know no i don't i haven't been in that <laughs> but yeah i'll uh, pretend i do <laughs> and then my the, the the guy i was working with um met a guy on a golf course and he had a golf club made from kangaroo leather and um and it was the most amazing leather because it's so strong and so thin and um, so we started a side business manufacturing um, sporting goods from kangaroo leather and then exporting them um, for golf tournaments and corporate events and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. And, and I fell in love with this business and set up distributors in Canada and America and Australia. And, and it was growing and we were doing things for the, you know, the Ryder Cup and we were doing things for ASIO and it was, it was just so, so much fun. But the guy I was working with had fallen out of love. He was bored. So I bought him out, um, stopped working with him, set up my own company and imported kangaroo leather and manufactured for about six years and, and did that. 
And then I met my husband, my future husband, um, had a baby and realized I didn't want to bring up my baby in Indonesia. Um, and so we decided to move to Melbourne and um, buy a business and so that we could both work in it. And so I could look after my son and work. I mean, that yeah. was my sort of primary thing because I was able to do that in Indonesia. And it was a disaster. Um, we bought a business and um, it was not what we were expecting, um, even though my husband was a mergers and acquisitions specialist. So he'd been through the books left, right and sideways, but it was, we, we didn't get what we thought we'd bought. Yeah. So we, we spent a few years um, trying to make it work and poured all our money uh, into that. And in the meantime, I had another baby. And so I was left at 40 years old with a brand new baby, a three-year-old, no childcare, a, a, a huge business that was running on my own, no money, thinking we were going to lose the house and my husband had to go to work on contract to the other side of town just so that we could put food on the table. Yeah. So that, that was an exciting time. Um, and then I thought, although things are going horribly wrong, actually, this is, this is what I've got are the most important things. I've got a great marriage. I've got two healthy children. That's the most important thing. And I thought I need to recognize that I've got this and other people don't have that. So yeah. I trained to be a respite carer and um, we took on, I took on respite care at the weekend. And at the same time, I knew that I needed to work and I needed to have something that would work around the children when the business sort of, when we finally got rid of it. So I set up a bookkeeping business only because that was just something I knew and something I could do and, and built up a, a little bookkeeping business but it wasn't my passion. Mm -hmm. So I thought, actually, I need to do something that really fuels me. And what really fuels me is nutrition for children. So at the same time, I started building a little side business, um, mm -hmm. went back to uni, started to train as a naturopath, um, started, started doing food art and taking it into schools. And I became really passionate about it. And then, then my husband got offered a job in, in New Zealand. And I thought, you know what, We're, I'm ready to shake the tree again. So we moved to Wellington, ostensibly, we thought we would be here for a year and a half. Um, we've now here, been here eight years. And yeah. because my boys are now in high school, yeah. we decided that we're gonna stay because we're not gonna rock that boat. And then when I got here, I said to my husband, look, I just wanna go into this nutrition thing 150% because this is, this is it. This is my midlife crisis. This is what I wanna do. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I, I've set up and done that and um, yeah and that's what sort of led me into the picky eating and that's been I mean I've come very late into it I guess but it's just been absolutely amazing um, and now I've got some really big goals and so I'm actually back at uni again and I'm qualifying as a psychologist. Wow so having a master's wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> you added two more qualifications to that <laughs> i'm sure there's probably a few more lurking there too um wow so um i don't even know where to start that just sounds um like you've done so much in so many places um i guess one of my, my pressing questions is was one or both of your boys a picky eater is that where this came from everyone asked me that question and <laughs> and, and 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 the answer is no in actual oh. fact it was the it was the opposite because my boys ate so well uh -huh. and I saw how easy it was and I saw what a difference it made 
it was a gift that I wanted to share with other people because I saw so many other people who weren't in that situation. And that's what drove me. It was sort of the opposite, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 So how do you work with your clients and in your business? What do your days look like? Um, so way before now, of course, this is de rigueur, but, but, but way before lockdown, I, I started with Zoom because it was such an easy way for me to reach clients that weren't in Wellington or that were over the other side of Wellington. So I, um, I've been using Zoom as my sort of primary way to communicate with parents for a long, long time. And, and so I do initial um, sort of free chats with parents, find out what's happening, recommend a solution. And then if we need to go further, then we work together via workshops over the uh, over the internet. Mm, mm. So I'm sort of trying to imagine that what that looks like. I mean, a lot of parents um, talk about sort of hiding vegetables in food and things like that. <laughs> I remember um, when our daughter um, was little, we, we did what, what I think is now called baby led weaning without knowing it existed or what it was because our daughter yeah. hated and still hates anything runny. So she doesn't like soup. She won't eat uh, yogurt, um, purees, mashed potato, any of that stuff. She never liked it from day one. So we couldn't feed her any of that stuff. <laughs> so we had to feed her what was on our plate and just let her get on with it, which was perfect because we didn't have to feed her. I, re I remember looking after my, my friend's, um, five month old when her daughter was in hospital and you know she gave him all the instructions about you know here's his food and he needs feeding this amount of times a day and everything else and i was like there with a spoon actually having to give him his food thinking oh my god what a waste of time yeah. <laughs> and i hadn't realized how truly easy it had been with our daughter because i never actually had to feed her yeah, <laughs> she yeah. could feed herself <laughs> yeah so I, I, um, I, yeah. And in, inadvertently, you probably did so many things that are, you know, that, that are recommended yeah. to help a child eat. And that was just organically, it just worked out really well. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, probably because I'm a bit laissez-faire, but also because she's a stubborn little so-and-so who, as I said, didn't like mushy things so when I you know I, I started with my enthusiastic let's puree some carrots type thing and that lasted about two days because <laughs> you wouldn't eat it anyway so you know win-win I feel <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> so so yeah so you so you you sort of have those sessions where you um sort of initially talk to your clients about those issues and then then what is it sort of regular coaching is it no, I, I, I decided that I didn't want parents to be dependent on me because yeah. my philosophy is that as a parent, no one knows a child better than a parent, spends more time or is more invested. And yeah. therefore, I think a lot of the time in the modern world, we say, I've got a problem, I need to outsource it. And, and, and my, my thing when it comes to parenting is that experts never know you or your child as well as they need to and so I didn't want to be somebody that parents relied on so what I like to do is give them all the tools they need and say right go for it you've got everything you need to make this work it, it might be a long-term process but you've got all the tools I'm here in the background if you need to contact me really happy to help really happy to support but really 
this is something that you and your child it's sort of a, a I guess a reality tv thing it's but it's a journey you're going to go on together and make it work for yourselves yeah yeah mm. and so what what does what does that mean in terms of you and time and what what you do and how you organize yourself so lots of zoom calls you knew what zoom fatigue was before most people <laughs> Well, and that's so funny because my husband, I, I, I used to come off a, a workshop and go, oh, so exhausting. And my husband would be like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started working from home <laughs> last year. And he, he, after the first day, he went, these Zoom calls are so exhausting. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Are they now? Oh, yes. Funny that. Anyway, um, yes. But what I do is... Uh, I, I used to do the whole workshop in an afternoon and run a full afternoon. And then I realized that it was exhausting for me. It was exhausting for parents. Plus there's only so much information you can take in at one time. So now what I do is I do hour bursts and that works so well because parents are fired up. I'm fired up. We can slot it into a lunch hour. We can do, you know, an hour after the kids go to bed. We can just do little, even with people with nightmare schedules, we can fit an hour in here and an hour in there. Yeah. And and then people take in the information and then they can go away and have a think about it and come back with questions. Works super well. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that uh, sort of flexibility of, of sort of changing how you work with people based on, you know, the, the evidence you get or the experience that you have or they have as well. I think sometimes we can get quite sort of dogmatic in, well, this is how it is and this is the structure and this is what I'm going to do, even if it doesn't continue to work as well as it perhaps might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, trying to be, uh, I mean, I guess a lot of time I'm working with parents who, who, who might have an older child, but then they've also got two younger children, or they're pregnant or whatever. And, you know, I mean, we all remember what it's like when you're not having enough sleep, and you have zero energy and things are all so difficult. So anything I can do to make it easy for parents is, is where yeah. I'm going to sit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do you organize yourself? How do you make sure you get done what you need to get done? Um, at the beginning of the week, I have my must-dos for the week. And so, I, like, a, for example, I wrote a book last, last year. And so I knew I had a, a window of opportunity when I wasn't at uni in, in the um, what is your summer holidays, our winter holidays. <laughs> and so, so I said, right, I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be seven chapters. I need to write seven chapters. I need to write a chapter a week. So that would go at the top of my diary for the week. And that was that had to get done. That was a non-negotiable. Yeah. And then each day I will plan, OK, this is what I intend to get done for that day. Um, and sometimes those are non-negotiables because obviously being back at uni, I've got assignments due and everything else. And it's like, well, I just have to write it today. That's just what needs to get done. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And do you use specific tools or apps to help? You know what? I'm a bit of a Luddite. Um, <laughs> beyond my Zoom and my Calendly and um, a little bit of uh, Mailer Light, um, no, I've got a paper diary, to be honest. I, yeah. I love I love seeing written, things written down. And I find the way that my memory works, I if I've got my page and it's got little scribbles on it and then some's in pencil and some's in red pen, and some's in blue, and I'll remember and, it, and it, it, it looks different. Whereas when it's on a screen and it's all in exactly the same font and it's all nice and logical, 
there's no I, I don't remember each individual thing because it's not different it's the same yes yeah yeah no I understand that yeah a lot mm. of my guests use um use pen and paper and, and sort of less technology um and and they all think it's unusual <laughs> oh good oh good so it's not just me being a luddite then <laughs> I reckon I reckon probably 95 percent of my of my guests use uh, pen and paper, um, which um, wow. yeah, always surprises the, them and me. <laughs> right. Are they all as old as me, though? <laughs> <laughs> it varies, it varies. But uh, but it's odd because I generally do nothing on paper. And I was talking to a, a colleague yesterday about she was saying she wanted a or, or was recommending a an, um, what they call whiteboard tool for using when you're on, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever because she likes to demonstrate by by writing and I was saying oh you know I've come across this tool and that tool I said but to be honest I don't use any of that I said I, I don't write on paper when I'm describing things I said some people have to write in order to explain something don't they and she said oh I'm exactly like that she said the first thing I do when I'm talking to somebody about something is I want to grab a bit of paper and draw a diagram and I was like oh my god I'd never do that <laughs> no, no, me either. I, I, I have to wave my hands though. So yes. you know, if I'm if I'm talking to parents, I I love having the video rather than talking to them on the phone because I say to them, "Look, I, I need to wave my hands around, yeah. or it's not going to work." <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a hand waver, so maybe that's what it is. You either draw or, or wave your hands. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So what about other people and um, getting support or help? Do you outsource anything? Do you have anyone who works with you? Do you have mentors, coaches, that sort of thing? Um, I, a long time ago, um, I, I, I realized, look, I've, I've, obviously we've all got skill sets and one of my, technology is not my skill set. And um, I have a very good friend who I've known for years and we've worked together on and off. And um, she's an absolute whiz with all things um, website and technical and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and her and graphics and her skills and my skills are, are opposites, but we have really similar approaches to business, to life, to family. Mm -hmm. And so I said to her, would you be interested in having a share in my business and just being in the background, you don't have to do anything. But every now and again, when I need something, like if, if the website needs updating, then you can help me update the website. And if I need to bounce things off you, then I'll bounce things off you. And she said, sure. So I gave her a percentage of my business and um, she just sits in the background. And when I need help, then she's there. And um, and she ended up doing the... Um, all the illustrations and all the digital setups for both my books and um, in return for a percentage of the profits. Yeah. And, um, and that has just been lovely to have somebody there in the background that I know I can trust, I know I can rely on. And if, you know, if I'm having a, a down spot or if something goes really wrong or if I just need or if I'm really excited about something, something I, I've just got somebody I can touch base with. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mm. love that. that. That's that's sort of how I work with my my members of uh, Power to Live More Calm, um, albeit uh, they don't give me a share of their business. They pay me. But, yeah, as you say, having that... Um, 
just knowing that you've got that person there and particularly if you've got somebody who can help you with some of the sort of sticking points as you say with technology and, and websites and things like that can be really helpful as well uh, mind you i don't do illustrations for books <laughs> art being not one of my strong points <laughs> yes no well actually she didn't do the art either but she took the artwork and digitized it so that it was you know yeah it fit. but uh, she's an amazing artist too she's got all these skills it's amazing yeah mm. yeah 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 lovely so what about keeping healthy and energized for what for what you do I mean clearly you're teaching something that's about health <laughs> what yeah. do you do with yourself and for yourself I am that is my priority so my priority if you ask me what my priority was it's health for myself and for my family so um, exercise and food comes first in my world everything else slots in behind that so it doesn't matter I mean when I was pregnant and breastfeeding or whatever my exercise was still my priority so I was doing I was on the stepper I think the night before my first child was born and swimming you know and yeah. all the rest of it because that is something that I'm really really passionate about and yeah. I find it centers me um it gives me energy um so today it's um what 9 30 in the morning so I got up at 5 30 and I've I did a, a run, I did some yoga, I did some weights. I've done a walk outside, so I've got my outside time. And that just sets me up for the day. How long does that all take? That to me, who has to force myself to do these things, <laughs> sounds like it's yeah. going to take hours. <laughs> well, yeah, but you see, yes, yes and no. Um, but I also multitask. So yeah. when I'm running, I'm reading. Um, yeah. When I'm walking, I'm I could have gone for walking and reading. I'm just having visions of how how you do that without falling over. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and people often ask me, but actually if you run and you run, um, and if you run consistently, your head stays pretty stable. So yeah. I, I consciously buy a running machine that I can put my book onto. I, I would have gone outside, but it was raining, so I wasn't going to run around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Um, and so a lot of times when I'm doing stuff, I'm multitasking. So when I went for my walk this morning, I had a list of things that I needed to resolve. And so that those were going around in my head as I was yeah. sort of walking. And yeah. And, and, and then I'm now I've got so much energy ready for the day. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is that always a, a first thing before you do anything else type thing? Is it a morning if thing? I, if I don't do it in the morning, then it's, yeah, it's, tough to fit it in because yeah. then my other priorities crowd in yes. which is why I prioritize and say this is what I'm going to do first thing in the morning come hell high water this gets done yeah. and I guess I'm the same with the food food's really important for me and you know it, and it's my passion and, my, and it's my nurturing and so making sure that we've got the fridges are stocked and that I can produce a meal and knowing what I'm going to do for dinner, all of that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. So mm. What, what about some sort of tips around that? Cause I think there's many people who, who know food and good food is important and would like to sort of be organized with it and, and, and intentional and all that sort of stuff, but often aren't, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> giving you my, my <laughs> um, 
I think it's a pro it, it's it's prior it's like anything else. I, I prioritize that. You know, for some people it's you know hair and 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 other things that are a priority. And for me, and and clean houses. And for me, that's not a priority. You know, I try not to be a total slob. But if if the housework has to wait, the housework has to wait. But lo and behold, if I don't get a dinner on the table in time, because that for me is my priority. And so. I already know what's going to be happening for dinner and I already know that I've got all the ingredients to do it and that's already scheduled into my working day. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And do you do that like once a week or do you have set menus for the month or whatever? How does that work? Oh, no, I hate all that planning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 you were sounding really perfect then. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> No, 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 but I, I mean, look, the night before I'll go, mm, yeah, what do I fancy tomorrow? And bearing in mind, I've got two fridges and a chest freezer, um, but I'll go, oh, like, um, I feel like chicken tomorrow. So then I'll take it out of the freezer that night. And I've, I've always got kilos of fresh fruit and fresh vegetables because that, again, it's just one of my things. And so then it's just really easy to put something together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and how long does it take, seriously, to whack a chicken in the oven? Like, if I've, if I've got time, I might do all the roast vegetables. If I don't have time, the roast chicken goes in the oven, which takes literally two minutes, and I don't have to babysit it. It just sits in the oven for an hour. And then I'll go, okay, I'll do a salad, which takes me 10 minutes. And yeah. so dinner's taken me 15 minutes, and I've got a good, wholesome, healthy meal. And then that chicken, we can eat for, you know, for, with lunches, with... yeah something else so yeah. I, I think you know it's because it's my passion it seems really easy mm, mm. Mm. and also I think you know some people just are daunted by the whole concept of of cooking I mean what you've just said just sounds so quick and simple that that you can't imagine how it, people do get daunted by it but but nevertheless they do and and you know there's many people who eat you know processed foods ready meals all the time because it seems easier and too hard to do it any other way but you've just shown immediately a, you know a great example of how easy it is to eat from scratch and fresh you know yeah you know, just from that yeah and and that goes back to my passion and where I prioritize my time and my energy and my thought processes Yes. Yeah. So as we're talking food, what, what are some of the tips that you could share for any parents listening who do have um, potential issues or, or actual issues with their with their children and, and eating? What, what sort of um, what sort of key things do you always find yourself sharing with people? <laughs> OK, well, there's a reason I'm the confident eater. And um, and the reason I'm the confident eater is because Eating is about confidence. So eating anything, whether you're an adult or a child, is about being confident that you can do it. And so most of the families I work with have children who would look at something and go, I can't do that. I mean, very much like your daughter. She looks at yogurt and goes, I can't do the yogurt. Yeah. Um, and so it's building up the confidence that for the child that they're able to do that. And it's just as importantly, giving the parents the confidence that they're able to resolve the challenges for their children. Because what happens if you have a picky eater is you go, okay, 
need to fix this. Jane's just given me this great tip that she used with her children. Let me try it on my child. And then you go, oh, that didn't work. So then you go, okay, let me look on the internet. And you go, okay, that's a great idea. Let me try that. So you try that and it doesn't work. And you do this a couple of times and then you just get a bit demoralized and a bit more demoralized. And then suddenly you go, you know what? Nothing's going to work for my child because my child is too stubborn, too anxious around food. Um, it's just not going to work. Nothing's going to work. And you go, it's pointless me trying because it just upsets me. It upsets my child. And then we just stop. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, not making changes is where you, you've automatically, well, you've prevented progress because if you stop making changes, progress doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then often those issues sort of snowball because we've stopped trying mm -hmm. yeah and so it, for me it's all about confidence and it's about comfort and it's about finding loving gentle ways that we can do that that slot into family routines because none of us have any time or any energy left for doing anything extraneous apart from just you know getting through the day and so it's fi finding gentle ways that teach that child that confidence and over time build up comfort levels with food and put the joy and the fun back into food mm, mm. Mm. thank you i am quite thankful that apart from sloppy food <laughs> i've never <laughs> ellie's never had a problem particularly with food or she doesn't like courgettes but then neither did i <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like even my boys were, were challenged by the texture of courgettes but i found I found recently that I can grate them and yeah. pop them into a salad and they're okay with that. So okay. there's, yeah. there's, there's always multiple ways to do things that will tick textural taste, you know, whatever it is, boxes for, for, for people. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. absolutely. Well, mm. I also know, I mean, I hated, I absolutely detested courgettes when I was young. My mum loved them and used to serve them up all the time and I hated them. And now I absolutely love them. So um, I know that these things change um, for, you know, very, very many reasons through your life, don't they? So uh, absolutely. Yeah. May yet be hope on that one. And, and also, I always think it's odd how children just have sort of odd things. So like, Ellie's always loved olives and you know the average little child I don't think really likes olives particularly but then there's other normal things that she doesn't like like I said you know she doesn't like mashed potato most children love mashed potato don't they <laughs> yeah. but, but, but that's where that confidence and comfort comes in that I, I mean I, I I work with families who have a child that eats five foods Yes. And one, one of them is blue cheese dip. And I have another one who has five foods and his favorite thing is calamari and aioli. Yeah. Now, you know, who would pick that? Um, so so it, is, it is really about that confidence and that comfort. And yeah. a child is no more or less likely to eat cucumber than they are an olive or butter chicken. And yeah. it's, it's just, it just, yeah. Mm. yes yeah interesting and my daughter loved cucumber when she was little she used to call it beamer we, we have yet we never you know in 14 years have not worked out where the word beamer came from but uh, <laughs> she liked it so much that her cousins and her auntie made her a birthday cake of cucumber once <laughs> right 
<laughs> not not cooked, obviously, you know, just like carved it so that it, it looked like a cake, but it was actually cucumber. <laughs> and and my mum, who will eat any fruit of any vegetable except for cucumbers. Oh really? Mm. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> so what about um learning and improving yourself you've uh, you know you've 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 cracked the studying thing as we've already uh, discussed um how else do you sort of keep up to speed with the latest thinking and and keeping yourself moving forwards um well when it comes to my um to my industry i do a lot of training a lot of extra training so mm. i have um, a mentor um who i do regular training with out of the us um and i do and i I read uh, i love to read so for me um if i can read something i'm i'm really happy so i read articles all the time yeah just keep me abreast of new new ideas new ways and um and if i find a new feeding therapist that i haven't sort of heard i'll you know introduce myself and spend time listening to them and talking to them so yeah that's that's fun and that's that's exciting yes yeah and what about podcasts as we're recording one do you listen to them i (laughs) no 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 i um i actually have um apd i've got um audio processing disorder so i can hear perfectly well um but my brain struggles to translate what someone says into information so um i my mind works really quickly so i can have a podcast where an interviewing like this where i can't see you and and i'll be fine but it takes an enormous additional amount of energy for me to do so and if i'm in a busy environment like a cafe or something and there's multiple people talking and if i'm talking to someone i haven't met before and they've got an accent I'm working really, really hard to understand what they're saying. Um, so, um, so for me, listening's not comfortable. And, uh, and and so if I've got a podcast and someone's got a transcript, I'm like, yes, transcript. <laughs> if 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 I've got if they've got a video and they've got the words on it, I'm like, yes. But of course, because I'm back at uni, all my lectures are online because I'm yeah. doing distance. I just find it exhausting. I get to the end of an hour and a half lecture and, and I feel like I've run a marathon. Yes, yeah. yeah, I can yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, how we all need to be so aware of, of our sort of um, the, the modalities that, that work for us. And, and clearly, as you say, you have a disorder, which is um, sort of um, even clearer, I guess, that, that it's something that's, that's hard work uh, <laughs> yeah. from that point of view. Um, I, I've said before on the podcast that I, I'm a, a fan of podcasts, but I can't listen to audiobooks. And I don't know why, because <laughs> I can't yeah. see the difference other than the fact that I feel like a podcast is, is sort of shorter and more bite size, if you like. And I, and I, I, lo- I love reading. And when I read, I'm, sort of really clear clear of the structure of the book and I know you know how far I'm through it and what number of chapters there are and all that sort of stuff and I can't do that with an audiobook although I can because I could look it up and everything else but when you're listening you can't you have no concept of where you are mm. in thing and I and I I wonder if it's that I've you know I don't know what it is but I haven't I just know that it 
it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel right to listen to, to books, even though podcasts, you know, I listen to them all the time. It's, it's, it's I guess yeah. it's, it's always the about... Thought, yeah, the, the thought of an audio book just makes me shudder. I just think, <laughs> why anyone do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's yeah. just working out what works best for us and then doing more of that and sort of ignoring the rest. But unfortunately uh, for you in your uh, studies at the moment, you haven't got much of a choice, have you? Nope, nope, nope. But that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. And I guess that's partly knowing what the challenge is and also then, you know, thinking about energy and probably eating properly and making sure you're in the best place to to do that work is probably important then, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and scheduling it so I can listen to lectures. I mean, what I've started to do now is is cook while I listen to lectures because I mm. find if I'm doing something that's pleasurable, then yeah. I don't find it quite as taxing. So I've got a massive speaker so that I can, you know, broadcast it loudly around my kitchen while I'm banging and crashing the, the dishes and, and it yeah. actually works okay. Mm. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it is always about strategies, isn't it? The, the other thing I found interesting is through lockdown where I really don't go anywhere apart from a walk um I've completely changed what I do so I I'm not listening to podcasts as much as I did I'm not reading as much as I did I mean I'm reading lots of novels but I'm not reading articles as much as I did and I was I was reflecting on that a couple of days ago and think trying to sort of again work out why that is because I haven't got any less time and in fact I've probably got more time because I'm not you know traveling so much and not spending more you know as much time you know, I don't know, outside of the house in meetings and whatever else. So you'd think that it would be just as easy, if not easier, to do more of those things. But because I suppose I used to read when I was on the train or I'd listen to podcasts when I was walking or driving and I'm doing less of that, I haven't got those opportunities. I've got to build them in some other way. So a bit like you, I've started listening to podcasts when I'm cooking, which I wouldn't have ever done before. I'd probably have listened to music. Um, mm. But it's interesting how, you know, your environment changes and you have to change what you're then doing and how you do it accordingly, because it does impact just, you know, more than you imagine. Yes, yes. And and and, and I think making those adjustments is a positive thing, because I think it, it, it shows that we're looking for ways to make this work and make it work in a different way. And, mm -hmm. and you know, when we do have things like lockdown, you have to say, OK, this is not ideal, um, but I can make this work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just moving on to the last couple of questions then. So firstly, what about those days when it goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with that? <laughs> yes. Which, which does happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I try, I try, I try to be quite sanguine about it and just say, well, you know what, this, this is life and it is going to happen. And, you know, when I get a phone call from the school or, or when, you know, one of my sons goes, oh, actually, I need to be over the other side of town for a futsal game at 4.40 in the afternoon. And I'm like, mm -hmm. um, for me, I just have to readjust. I just go, OK, today's a write off um, or this afternoon's a write off. And then I just have to just look to my diary and go right where do I squeeze in what I need to get done yeah mm. yeah I just that sort of taking a moment thing as you say these things are thrown at us <laughs> we yeah. just have to work it out yeah. and what about those days where you get to live more and that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you um 
to be honest, at the moment, because I am back at uni and running a business and I've got a household and I've got a voluntary job, I really don't have a lot of spare time. And so for me, it's finding moments of joy and it's finding ways that I can, I, I guess, enjoy life and celebrate life without needing large swathes of time in which to do that. Mm. And uh, so when I can go for a walk on a Sunday morning with my husband and maybe one of my teenagers, if I can talk them into it, that's, you know, that's often a moment of, of joy for me when I can put together a really nice dinner for my family. That's a, that's a moment of joy for me. So it is finding how I can, I guess, put the, the joy and the relaxation into my life mm -hmm. without having a lot of time. Yes. Yeah. 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 So lovely to talk to you today, Julius. Thank you so much for sharing what you have. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Um, so I'm um, at theconfidenteater.com um, and I run a very active Facebook um, group that has tons and tons of tips around um, picky eating. Um, so that's The Confident Eater or at Instagram, The Confident Eater um, <laughs> or LinkedIn. Um, myself Judith Yeebsley um, so I am more than happy to spend a little bit of time with any parent who does have a picky eating issue and um, just set them off on the right path brilliant thank you Judith thanks for your time thank you so much for interviewing me Joe. this has been great fun attention home-based coaches and consultants are you tired of feeling alone isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, Stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash 216 then you can read them there and of course you can also read them in the podcast app that you might be listening to this on this month the theme is simplify and this week's topic is decluttering the mind at the gold call on monday we talked about how you make space in your head for focus and thinking i talk about decluttering your house your office uh, your computer and also your head your mind um, so the conversation revolved around various ways of getting information out of your head and also about um, some ways to concentrate and focus more so we talked about things like uh, Todoist which I've talked about on many occasions which is the app that I use for my task lists and how as soon as I've thought of something that needs doing I add that to my to-do list and if I'm not able to get to a device or use um, 
was about to say, I'll use pen and paper, but that wouldn't be what I'd be using. If I can't get to a device to add it to my to-do list, then I have got it connected through um, Zapier uh, to Alexa. And I then ask uh, her to add it to my to-do list for me. And that can be really helpful if I'm about to go to sleep and I've just remembered something and some people have pen and paper at the side of their bed. I don't need to do that. I just um, speak to my um, friendly device. <laughs> um, and that's all about not having things swimming around in your head, uh, getting them out and putting them somewhere. So if you use paper, paper and pen, then the same principle, just write things down rather than sort of keeping those things going on in your head and trying to remember them there. Just stick them on a bit of paper or on a post-it note or whatever so you can come back to them. I also talked about the fact that I use Evernote and have done for many years to store stuff and that's stuff from um, meeting minutes to agendas to instructions for items that I have around the house and the office that I want to store to planning that I've been doing to uh, the script that I'm sort of working to when I do my Engage for Success podcast and so on. Everything goes into Evernote. I, I never really go and clear it out because I find things by search. So um, I don't worry what I put in there. I don't try and keep it neat and tidy. But you can actually use notes in Evernote uh, within notebooks. And those notebooks can be created into or collated into stacks. So it's sort of designed to sort of emulate notebooks that you might have on your desk. But the one benefit big benefit of having it online is that you can search rather than having to do that manually through bits of paper you've probably been to events like I have and you take loads of notes get all these ideas of things that you're going to implement when you get back um maybe not so much at the moment <laughs> um and then you know at some stage you remember you've got that information but you can't remember which notebook it's in and you can't remember where it is and if you do find the notebook you can't remember which page it's on and all that sort of thing uh, so I use technology to enable me to find that information more easily. David mentioned he uses Google Keep for similar and there's also other tools like Notion and Microsoft OneNote and um, Lucy suggested Apple Notes as well. Google Calendar was something we talked about as being probably the most popular app that my podcast guests recommend and that's you know obviously for keeping track of appointments and maybe task time as well again with the idea of getting it all out of your head and knowing that you've got that sort of peace of mind that all that information is in one place and easy to refer to lucy said she uses a paper sheet a sort of a3 desk planner for a similar uh, purpose so she keeps track of appointments planning and also task items on there on a daily basis we talked a bit about worries and how often when we have something bugging us we try and sort of ignore it and have it actually bug us all day instead of actually dealing with it, moving it off, getting it away um, and then actually sort of moving on from there. So uh, just something to remind yourself of that often those things that really sort of prey on your mind once you've dealt with them and they've gone, <laughs> you, you know, you know, you feel so much more relaxed afterwards. Um, so why do we put ourselves through that sort of time while we're worrying about doing it and not just getting on and doing it? David talked about how often stuff on his to-do list actually ends up being deletable, which is always good, I think. Um, we talked about how important our Get It Done sessions are, uh, which we have uh, once a week for two hours where we get together, explain what we're going to get done, go away and do it, come back, have a little review in the middle and then have a final review at the end to confirm how much we've actually achieved. And I'm always astounded how much our members do get done during those times um, when really, you know, they're just rocking up and saying they're going to do something and getting on and doing it, which obviously, you know, we could easily do ourselves in our own time, but we just don't always do that because 
the urgent tasks push out the important tasks. And by carving out that time for that get it done session, we're carving out that time for those really important tasks uh, so that um, we get those done rather than letting all the other sort of clutter of our lives get in the way. And uh, so, as I said, that's something that we're all finding really helpful. Ashley recommended a book called How to Wreck Your Business and Amazon says it's the story every business owner needs to read. The mistakes made here were all avoidable. Knowing how means you avoid this nightmare journey. And he says it's a really good read. It's very uh, much written as a story and easy to read, but also full of powerful, uh, helpful information. I mentioned Readwise, which I think I've talked about before, which is an app that I've started using recently, which enables me to sync the quotes that I've highlighted in my Kindle ebooks and get five of them sent to me each day to review remember where I saved them and who knows maybe even apply them uh, so I'm finding that quite um, interesting in terms of sort of reading things learning things and then bringing them back so that uh, I can review them and do something with them um, obviously they're not the sort of thing that would normally be clashing up my mind but you know they might be <laughs> but yeah it's a really good app in terms of being able to do something with that information that you read when you're reading those business books. And then we finish off talking about meditation and meditation apps like Calm and Headspace and looking for guided meditations on YouTube as a way of really calming your mind down. And that led on to a discussion about singing, which is what I do uh, to um, do a similar thing. And also playing a musical instrument. Ashley has been playing his guitar a lot during lockdown. And uh, I've said before that I play my piano almost every day and those are times when it's really hard to think about other things and uh, not be focused on that because you can't play very well um, if you're focusing on other things. So it can be a quite meditative thing to, to do. And Ashley mentioned that um, there's been research uh, through neuroscience that talked about the absolute importance of, of playing an instrument and how that helps to keep your brain active because you're pulling together all sort of different types of um activity if you like to do that so that was this week's call on decluttering your mind as usually it went quite wide ranging uh, but uh, with a, a, obviously a focus on that sort of calmness and getting really clear so that you can really focus on the things that are most important to you so next week's topic is going to be saying no which is something I know lots of us struggle with so um, if you want to come along and talk about that with us the call's at 11 o'clock British summer time on Monday and if you just go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm you can use the code please let me in and that'll get you a month's free trial to the power to live more calm gold membership and that gets you into the calls every week the get it done sessions and access to all the courses and all the downloadable materials that you can use to mean that you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel whilst you're running your business. And in fact, next week's get it done session, we're going to, uh, for those people who want to focus on some planning time for the next quarter. So if you're interested and you want to come along, then it's powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and use the code please let me in. Just a little reminder also to subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy it uh, so that you can get future episodes with least effort. And again, the show notes for this week's show, as well as being in your app, are also on the website. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash 216, you'll find them there. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 